to B-List Daily from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR radio network. Joining us on the line now from patspropaganda.com. Of course, you can find him on the Twitter. Just look for Pat's Propaganda. Mike Duso joins us now. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm too good. Football's back, so I'm very happy. Yes, football. This is the... Finally, we're we're here. We can start looking forward to things. We can start seeing things on the line. And it really wouldn't be Patriots preseason without multiple people getting injured so that all the work <laughs> that we have done thinking about things like Sony Michelle and guys like that totally goes by the wayside because people get hurt. Yeah, as somebody who was pumping up Jordan Matthews all off season long, uh, it didn't take long for that to completely fall apart. That balloon burst before it even got tied off. You know what I mean? Like, just that one blew up on the tank. Really, is is what happened there. I don't. I don't even know how else to word it. Um, I know I you've. Know. I know you've been down at camp um, uh, a couple times at least. Um, Let's yep. talk a little bit about what you've seen uh, at camp this year. What type of vibe is it? Like a uh, little different this year because there's no joint practices on the way with other teams. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I know that's been kind of the, the stupid headline. It's like, is, is training camp fun? You know, Julian <laughs> Edelman doesn't seem like he's having fun. I don't know. It's just uh, I don't ever remember training camp being fun. Uh, Belichick's kind of doing what he always does. I think the preparation is probably a little bit different without having to not only prepare for joint practices, but then having the joint practices themselves. So it's definitely a different element from in year past without that. Um, but otherwise, I think, you know, the first big headline to take away is Trent Brown looks great at left tackle. I mean, that, that was the headline going coming into the season, replacing Nate Solder and, you know, can Trent Brown play left tackle? Um, he's a monster, one of the biggest guys in uniform I've ever seen, um, and he moves really well. So I would kind of start there as a, a positive development, but um, I think there's been a lot of good stuff going on there and, and a lot to take away. Are you uh, This Trent Brown deal, like I was really surprised, one, that the um, that the Patriots were able to acquire him and that San Francisco was going to let him go, but it, he, seems like a, he seems like a good fit. It seems like a lot of people questioned the fit when they traded for him. Yeah, I certainly did. Um, you know, it was just the question of can a massive human of his proportions play left tackle? And, you know, that's such a position the Patriots, you know, Nate Solder being a former tight end, uh, where they relied so much on the athleticism. Uh, could he reproduce that? Was it going to alter the Patriots' offense? And I would say through, I mean, I've been there for, I think, five practices now. Everything kind of looks pretty much the same. What are they, they going to do with... Uh, the kid they drafted, uh, Win, to play mm-hmm. there, is he going to stay at Tech or are they going to move him somewhere else? Yeah, it's interesting. They started uh, started him off kind of as the backup left tackle, and, and you'd see him rotate in a little bit with the first team. Um, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, we know he's only 6'2", which is kind of unheard of in today's NFL, um, but he's so quick off the ball. I mean, it's noticeable even in just walkthroughs where they hike the ball and he's like, boom, right off. Um, so, but recently in the last couple practices, and I, it was, I believe it was just the last practice, which I was not at, um, they, they moved him inside and were trying him at guard as well. So I think there's a lot to like about Wynn. I don't think we know exactly where he's going to end up, but he should make the team and, and probably back up four positions on the line. Um, so that's a good, good player to have. And, you know, then next year we'll see what happens with Shaq Mason and, you know, maybe he steps into that role. But so far, a lot to like from Wynn. 
wide receiver wise, um, obviously Matthew's gone now. Um, Edelman's going to be out for the first four games. Chance for Braxton Berrios to make this team, especially with his punt return skills. Yeah, you know that's a great that's a great area to discuss because I seen every time I turn on the local media here, they're like these are the worst receiving group they've ever had. I know Colin Coward was calling it that, which just blows my mind for anybody who lived through 2006 or 2013. I was just about to say the Rache Caldwell era comes yeah, to mind you. strongly. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what they're talking about. Doug Gabriel. I mean, I really don't. Oh, yeah, you know, Gabriel, you have to grab mid to contribute. Um, luckily, you find, um, uh, uh, God, I'm blanking on his name, Jabbar uh, Jabbar, Jabbar Gaffney. Gaffney. So, yeah, who had, Gaffney. you know, he had that great moment in the Ravens game, and then he dropped the pass against the Colts in, in 08, <laughs> and it's like, you're gone, you're dead to me, Jabbar Gaffney. You, yeah, right. You, you know? I, but you didn't have a Julian Edelman. You didn't have Chris Hogan. I mean, not to mention uh, Philip Dorsett, who I think is really the guy... Um, that is going to, at least on papers, appears to be slipping into the Brandon Cooks role. Um, but those, those, that top trio, and I know Julian Edelman was kind of hard on himself, but I, I mean, I don't see any difference in Julian Edelman based on practice. Um, I know we're not going to have him the first four games, but you know, Philip said he's a first round pick. Um, we haven't, we've seen Kenny Britt just a little bit. He just got off the PUP list again. You know, and I know a veteran, and you know, he's played with a lot of bad quarterbacks over his years. Um, Corderell, Cordero Patterson, sorry, I'm really trying to work on saying Cordero instead of Corderell. Um, but he's, even him, and he looks like he's in that fourth, fifth wide receiver role, um, he comes on, he's, he's making one-handed spectacular passes almost every day, um, earning Tom Brady's trust. You know, we all know that's a big thing. Uh, you know, for a guy like Berrios and, and even Riley McCarron, who's another kind of similar player who I'd almost put ahead of Ber- Berrios right now, at least based on what you kind of see, how the order they take reps and stuff, um, they just they don't get a lot of reps at wide receiver, and especially not with Brady. Um, we saw an opportunity session on on last Friday where they just had you know Brady and a lot of the other veterans got to sit out, and that was where you saw McCarron really starting to get a little bit more of a look. And I thought that was Barrios's best day. If one of those guys is going to make the team, it's really going to have to be as a punt returner, and it's just hard to tell in practice how good a guy is in punt return where you, they're not going to hit you. You don't have that like worry of catching the ball, the pressure that goes with it, and, and then the ability to make tacklers miss. So I think that's going to be a big thing to watch in the preseason games is, is how, the, how the returners do. And that'll, that'll start with McCarron as well as Berrios. And, you know, you've seen it almost every day, new guys taking reps at punt returners. Uh, Rex Burkhead saw Patterson after practice one day. He looked dreadful, which I don't really understand how someone can be great at a kickoff return and not great at catching a punt. But... It's a definitely punt returner is going to be an interesting area where a job will be won. Talking with Mike Duso from Pants Propaganda and PantsPropaganda.com. Hollister seems like he's getting a hell of a lot of run for for somebody that was on the practice squad last year. Seems to be uh, every time I turn around, I, I, I see on the Twitter uh, on the old Twitter, he's uh, he's in with the first team, getting reps done, getting things like that. This guy going to end up in Montana at the passing? Was that guy sent up into Montana? Did we not know about this? Like what happened? I know, right? That's like that's like the new special level of, uh, right. of being a Brady receiver. You get you're in the Montana. You're in the Montana circle of trust. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, he's sure doing his best to do it. I mean, it's it's obvious as day when you watch the practices that he is getting open. He is catching everything that comes in his direction. Contested catches, um, and you know, if you continue to stack success, as, as Belichick says, uh, you're going to continue to get more opportunities. So, 
you know, again, it goes back to everybody freaking out about the wide receiver position. Um, I think Hollister is going to be a guy who's going to help offset some of that loss of Edelman in, in the early going um, and should be a threat in, in kind of that Aaron Hernandez kind of mold of the move tight end that, that they can send out into routes. And, you know, Dwayne Allen is a guy that we all thought was going to get cut, but he's been really solid as well. So I think it just kind of solidifies the trio of tight ends. Um, they kind of cover the spectrum and, and can do a lot. How about uh, Sony Michelle? What's the what's the latest? I know they did a, drained his knee. That yeah. can't be good. Well, you know there wasn't. I mean, he had I think uh, he had two fumbles in the first three practices. You know, and, and obviously they, that's always a bad thing with Belichick. And you know, we don't have to go back very far to remember the history of rookie fumbles with Stephen Ridley and that kind of thing. So um, he never really did anything to pop. And, I mean, of course, you got to say it's so hard for a running back to pop in today's uh, practices that are, you know, there's so much less pads, there's less hitting, there's less tackling, you know. Um, so it, it's unfortunate. You really would have hoped that he would get some reps in the preseason, and it doesn't look like that's what's going to happen. Um, all along, my hope for him was just that they could bring him along slowly teach him pass protection, you know, make sure he's comfortable, knows what he's doing, and then by the end of the season, maybe start to see some contributions. Um, the good thing is that when you don't draft for need in the first round, it's not a huge devastating blow. Uh, they've got right atop of the depth card Rex Burkhead and James White, and then both Gillisley and Jeremy Hill have, have looked good, and, you know, Gillisley was out for a while, but I thought he looked explosive and fast, and, I mean, and Jeremy Hill is playing on the kickoff return team, He's getting a lot of reps now. So I think right now I'd kind of give Jeremy Hill the inside track. Uh, last year you saw them give Gillis Lee just a ton of carries in the early part of the season, and then he was never heard from again. <laughs> so with Michelle out, I think you can easily do the same thing with Jeremy Hill. And I think he even catches the ball a little bit better than Gillis Lee does as well. So I think they'll be okay. It's just disappointing when you lose a first-round pick like that a week into training camp. Talking with Mike Dusso from Pat's Propaganda, patspropaganda.com. Um, McCourty was listed on the depth chart ahead of everybody, but it hasn't played out like that, or so it seems during practices. Yeah, Jason. Um, th- yeah, they've been rotating, and I mean, it's. I think I understand the decision, at least initially, to put Eric Rowe with Gilmore, who, by the way, Gilmore has been probably the best player on the whole defense and maybe the whole team in camp. But those guys both know the system. They can kind of set the, the bar, so to speak. Um, you've seen McCourty in recent days kind of starting to rotate in with that top defense, so I definitely think there's a spot for him. Um, they also have Duke Dawson, who's been kind of playing in the slot, um, and then J.C. Jackson, who's an undrafted rookie, who I kind of put as like the favorite right now to make the team, if, if you know, as there always is a, an undrafted rookie to make the team. Um, so you've got a really good group of cornerbacks, and I think it's going to be even more interesting eventually if when you get Jonathan Jones back, who really showed some promise in the slot, he should push Dawson. Um, as well as Cyrus Jones, who could possibly factor into that punt return conversation. Good old Cyrus Jones. Good <laughs> <Sorry>. old <laughs> Cyrus Jones. I still thought he was going to be okay. I did too. Uh, Harvey Lange, has he any any sightings of him? I mean, he had a hell of a horrific car accident last year that yeah. really that you know he was one of the undrafted free agents that made it last year. In fact, I was I think was the highest paid undrafted free agent last year. Um, has he yeah, made it back know, to the field yet? And if he has, how's he looking? Yeah, he's out there, but he's just not in that upper echelon of guys who get a look on the top defense. He's always, you know, kind of the scout team. Sometimes he's, you know, donning a little uh, finger, yellow over his helmet to play a scout team guy. 
Um, he's got a long way to go. Um, I think the other rookie from last year that, that was lost, Derek Rivers, he's been a little bit more on the radar in terms of probably being the fourth defensive end. Um, my thing with Longy, too, is that I wanted them to try him at off-the-ball linebacker. And, you know, kind of like the move that Brewski made in the 90s where he kind of went from, oh, is he a defensive end, what is he? Um, but Langy's kind of a unique, unique guy within the Patriots right now because he plays kind of like weak side outside line, but weak side outside linebacker. But he's not really in the pass rushing conversation, and he's he's definitely nowhere near the conversation for passing downs with the top defense. Where a guy like Marquise Flowers, um, you know, at least he's on the outskirts, and you see him, you know, at least getting a look or getting some reps um, along with Christian Sam, the rookie. Um, Lange's nowhere near any of that stuff. So I think, again, he played probably close to every snap in last year's preseason. We're probably going to see the same thing again this year. Um, I just feel like he's kind of a tweener within the system, and that's probably what's holding him back a little bit. Now, you mentioned a little bit linebackers. You know, they drafted two guys at linebacker. What? How's the linebacking core looked? Sure. Well, you know, if you want to be scared about something, I mean, I think the linebackers are probably a good place to start. Um, yeah. you know, there are rumors of uh, Hightower being injured, and then, you know, he was okay. Um, Hightower started camp off with a knee brace on, which he has since lost, which is, of course, a good sign. Um, but after that top trio of Hightower, Robertson, Van Noy, um, there's not much. And what we saw kind of over the progression over the first week of practice was Christian Sam kind of ascending. Uh, he looked comfortable in the defense. He's playing in the the second uh, the second sub linebacker grouping. Um, so you know he's one of those guys who is on the outskirts of, of maybe having some playing time. And I think if you saw a Dante Hightower injury or a Kyle Van Noy injury, you could very well see Kristen Sam playing significant snaps. But I I've, he's grown on me. Each practice, he's lining guys up. He's active. He's communicating. Um, he doesn't seem like he's overthinking um, his. The other guy that they drafted, Juwan Bentley, um, he seems to have fallen back a little bit. Initially, it was kind of those two guys playing a lot together, uh, and recently we've kind of seen Nicholas Grigsby, um, who was on the team last year, who no one is going to talk about, but is going to make the team because he plays all special teams. Um, so I, I, I don't see Juwan Bentley really. He's going to have to step up in the preseason, and I'm sure they're going to play a ton. But right now, I would say... Christian Sam is the guy to keep an eye on. Probably will end up playing some meaningful snaps on defense this year. The, um, you know, a lot of people talk about that defensive last year. And one, it was probably the worst Patriots. That was the absolute worst Patriots defense that made the Super Bowl, right? This this tops probably the 2000 and uh, the the second Super uh, the second Super Bowl loss to the Giants. That that was this. Last year's defense making the Super Bowl was the worst Patriots defense to make a Super Bowl in recent history, right, during the Belichick. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard because it's obviously you got to go with the disclaimer of they didn't have Dante Hightower. Correct, and, and, and I'm, I'm going by just what they had, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then by the same token, they were playing better at the end of the year, and then they ended the season with a bookend terrible performance that was just as bad as week one. Uh, and, and, and a lot of the problem was the secondary that they paid so much money to. You're giving these contracts to all three safeties that are on you know, their second, third contract. You give all this money to Gilmore. We know what happened with Butler. But still, um, you know, for that defense to be getting burned like they were through the air, that was what was most disappointing. And I mean, there's no question 
that last year's defense on paper was more talented than that 2011 defense. But, you know, I think that 2011 defense was just pretty terrible the whole way and somehow, you know, got lucky in the AFC Championship game a little bit. And, uh, you know, but they were certainly exposed. And I think part of it, too, was that Philadelphia did everything well that the Patriots couldn't handle, which was just attacking their, their second-level athleticism. They had no linebackers, and that's what's most disturbing, going back to you want to freak out about something, the linebackers. Uh, that's what's scary now is that, you know, you go, you lose one or two guys, you're probably just back to where you were last year in terms of lack of athleticism at the second level. Hmm. That's that's what we're looking for. That's yeah, what thank was, you very much. Appreciate uh, that. Lack of athleticism yeah, at the second sorry. level. That's, that's all the more, fun uh, stuff. One more guy to mention, too, you know, is Landon Roberts, who I think is just such a key to this defense this year because if there was one kind of player that I could, you know, craft to remake this defense, and I know this player doesn't grow on trees, but, like, you know, Luke Keekley, super athletic middle linebacker, and, that you know, that was what I felt like they needed. And they just stayed put with Roberts, who, um, look, he's in year three, and I, there's a lot to like about him in terms of his aggressiveness, how hard he feels in, in the running game. Um, but at the same time, he's really going to have to make some strides in terms of recognizing play action, pass drops. And, I mean, they've certainly been giving him the chance. I mean, it's those top three guys out there playing. Uh, so I think Robert's development is going to be a huge factor in how much this defense improves this year. Boy, Randy Moss got a hell of a lot of play for only playing here for three or four years, huh? <laughs> like it, The whole weekend was like the Randy Moss fest, you know? Oh, memories. Yeah, those were the days, huh? Yeah, I mean that was it was it's cool reliving all that. I mean, I um, the joke I always make now is that I just turned off Super Bowl Forty Two after Moss caught that touchdown. The Patriots went ahead and just assumed it all went to plan. I mean, Eli Manning's never leading a game-winning touchdown drive, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, but you know, so I mean, so many catches. I mean, that that one in Miami always will stick out to me. Where I mean, he just caught it with one hand, and and not only was it two guys in coverage, but one of them like fell and tore his ACL on the play, unfortunately. Uh, you know, it, and it was cool to see Belichick and Kraft go out there and support Moss, despite the fact that, you know, he was here such a short time, and, you know, it did end under such kind of bizarre circumstances, but, you know, now everybody seems to really look back on those years with such glowing affection. Randy, The Randy Moss situation getting traded to me, like, we all talk about, and people get mad and linger about the Malcolm Butler thing, but the Randy Moss one was the one that always got me because there's really never, ever been a definitive answer as to why he left and why he was let go for, you know, the, the, just in terms of any, you know what I mean? Like, there was never, like, a smoking gun in that situation, you know, like a burned white suit or anything like that with he left. So this is not the fir- this Butler thing is not the first time this has happened with the Patriots. So sometimes you just have to accept it and move on. Like we're still not lingering over the fact that Moss wasn't on that 2010 team. They got rid of him that year. Like it just that's one of those things. Things happen with the Patriots and you just have to trust that Belichick's making the right decisions. Sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. Yeah, such a fascinating one. I mean, I know that there were, you know, factors about him talking about it being his last year there. Um, you know, some kind of controversy where there was an argument on a flight home. I mean, there was, you know, some talk of that kind of stuff going on. I think, you know, the other interesting aspect to me is that I feel like, in a way, Rex Ryan, Darrell Rivas, the Jets of 2009, 2010, 2011, they kind of broke that version of the Patriots offense where, you know, Belichick famous for saying in 2009, you know, you take away Moss deep, you get up on Welker, we're done. Um, And I think what you saw in 2010 when 
Brady ended up winning the MVP. Of course, it was a, a disappointing end to the season that they did lose to the Jets again. But it became that Branch and Welker, uh, you know, get open quick and move the chains for the uh, the death by a thousand cuts, <laughs> the scalpel, as I like to call that, that kind of offensive philosophy. Um, it's just interesting to see how it was kind of an in-season football evolution for, and obviously, as I said, reasons off the field, probably a little bit as well. Um, but that was one that was kind of hard to argue with until the Patriots lost to the Jets in the, in the playoffs. Ryan Allen, coming back or not? Oh, great question. Um, I have been, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not like Greg Bedard who's got the, the stopwatch <laughs> out on the punches every day. You know, I'm just kind of a watch it and kind of get a feel for it. But, um, this rookie, and uh, I will do my best on his last name, Bojorquez, <laughs> I believe they have a, a little bit of a soft uh, Spanish J there, um, but he's been killing the ball. Um, he did have one terrible shank um, that kind of like I was getting all excited watching him, and I'm like, gosh, because even if you look at Bedard's specific numbers that he's been timing, Bojorquez is out-kicking Ryan Allen in terms of hang time consistently, um, and even when you just watch the, the, the length of the, the punts, the kids are going farther, and, and it's almost every time. So, you know, there's a lot of, that goes into it. There's consistency. There's holding for the field goals. Um, you know, so there are other things that go into it, uh, and I don't think that that battle is close to being done, but I would definitely say it's neck and neck, at least, if not slightly in the favor of Corey Bojokwes. Now, he will hold, too, right? Is that... Is that he has. That's what they've done. Yeah. Yep. Sure, he has, but the thing to take notice of is, like, you know, when it's first-team field goal reps and they're doing 11-on-11 11 11 and then Belichick blows the whistle and, all right, field goal, it's always Ryan Allen. They haven't, I haven't seen so far, I haven't seen the rookie come out and, you know, actually take an 11-on-11 11 11 snap, but I would bet pretty good money we will see that in the preseason for sure. Have you guys seen any of the, I'm really, uh, I think the big X factor this year for the Patriots is special teams. Belichick has always preached special teams. And while there hasn't always been a guy like, you know, an Eric Metcalf or a Deion Sanders, some electric, you know, Devin Hester, some electric return guy back there, they've usually always done okay. They've always had good guys on, on special teams. Kickoffs, however, new rules, new spacing this year. It's not going to be your, your special teams kickoff return teams are going to be different. Always seems like Belichick is kind of at the cutting edge when these rules change and kind of knows what's going on. You know, uh, Cordero Patterson, uh, you know, which we've talked about, uh, has done a good job on the wide receiver side. But in terms of spacing for the kickoffs, have we seen any kickoffs yet? Like, do they do those? Do they run through them? Do they ghost them? Like, how does this do we know sure, what this yeah. is going to look like? We absolutely have, and uh, I'm looking. I've got my little. I always grab a training camp roster, and I kind of jot it down. Uh, my notes on it. I got it right here uh, because they were they were practicing the new kickoff return right in front of me uh, in one of the most recent practices, and it's uh, it's been interesting. You know, you've got a lot more speed on the field now. There's less concern about having blockers. Um, you know, the back end is Patterson. You know, receiving, and then in front of him. We've had Jeremy Hill and Rex Burkhead. Then the next line has been like Hollister, Hogan, um, this guy Eddie Pleasant that they uh, picked up after he got, I believe, released from Houston. Um, you know, so it's not these uh, big blockers. You still have Devlin out there, um, but I think what you're going to see is a lot more speed. You're not going to see those walls with guys holding hands <laughs> running down the field. Um, and it's it's been interesting to watch how they're kind of attacking it. It's going to be really interesting to see. And I mean. I have to think that Belichick looks at Patterson and thinks that he's going to be the perfect guy for these new kickoff returns. I think that's why I went after him, didn't it? Yeah. 
seemed like that was it seemed like it was just one of those cutting edge moves. So I'm hoping I'm hoping we've got that going. I'm also hoping this year where you know last year everyone was predicting sixteen and zero. I'm thinking this year maybe they could they could sneak that run through this year. Just sixteen and zero, win the Super Bowl, finish it at nineteen and zero, wrap it up. You know, and, and go from there. Sail off into the sun. Sail off into the sun. Then we can spend all next off season wondering whether Brady's going to come back or not, and uh, back or not, and analyzing everything that he puts out on social media because that's what we do now. Oh, I, I mean, is there anything that is more fun than analyzing Tom Brady's comments on Instagram? Nothing. <laughs> oh, there's nothing. There's nothing better. Honestly, at this point, though, I just the year needs to end with San Francisco versus New England in the Super Bowl. I just I oh. feel like it has to happen because. We need to rehash more of why Jimmy Garoppolo was traded and if Belichick still has a man crush and is still texting him every week. Like, we need those. We need more of those stories, especially for the two weeks uh, between the championship game and the Super Bowl. I think we need more I of those. I mean, it's pretty much the only way to avoid having Jimmy Garoppolo being hung around Patriots fans' necks for <laughs> his entire career. I mean, that is all you're going to hear. And, I mean, you know, until he wins his sixth or seventh Super Bowl, you know, I mean, that is going to haunt Patriot fans, but, you know, Brady were to meet him and then, you know, take his last one, take his sixth one from Garoppolo, I mean, that <laughs> that probably would be a pretty poetic end for, for Brady and, and Patriot fans who don't want to be listening to all about Jimmy Garoppolo for the next 10 years. Yeah, and I would much rather put up with 49ers fans than, like, Eagles fans. Because, like, oh. I, I've already had enough of them. Like, you've won one Super Bowl in your entire franchise history. Like, act like you've kind of been there before. You know what I mean? And I, I got to drive to Philadelphia this weekend, and I have Patriot plates. So oh, you're I'm done. Looking forward to that. You are, you are done. Like, that is, that is, I hope you, I would probably just adjust the deductible on your car insurance before you go down. <laughs> I would just, I'd get that taken care really? of. Mike Duso, Pat's Propaganda. Find him on Twitter, Pat's Propaganda, or find him online at patspropaganda.com. Mike, we will talk to you next Monday. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, take Thank care. Thank you. That's Mike Duso from Pat's Propaganda, our New England Patriots man in Havana. More on the way. It's a list daily from the